Hey, you're listening to the Conscious Movers podcast. I'm your host, Madison, and on this episode, I spoke with Siobhan Burke, a dance reviewer for the New York Times, a former writer for Dance Magazine, and my dance criticism professor from last year. We talked a lot about really cool things, and you'll find that out when you listen. Thanks. You went to Barnard, yeah? I did. I did go to Barnard. Nice. What did you go to Barnard for? Um, Segwaying into. <laughs> <laughs> I studied American Studies as oh, my major. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. And yeah. I did a dance minor. Cool. And my, at the time at Barnard, and I, it might still be this way, you could choose a theme in American Studies to focus hmm. on. So I focused on basically 20th century dance history nice yeah is that what you had intended to go into college for um I guess I didn't know what I was gonna do (laughs) when I got when I uh got to Barnard I actually thought that I might want to be a biology major whoa that's Um, very different it is different but there was something about the the body in both of them that interested Mm. me like understanding different ways of kind of understanding the human body mm-hmm. that interested me. I feel like even though they seem like really different fields, there was that link between biology and dance. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have much of a plan. Yeah. I mean, that's always good. <laughs> yeah. I came in with this crazy plan and I stuck with none of it. So really? what was your plan? Um, urban studies and African studies with a dance minor. I was really ambitious, and now I'm just having an American Studies minor, no major. Well, you can probably also touch on all of those. Oh, yeah. And that's the nice thing is, like, I took a bunch of crazy classes, and I have very few requirements now, Mm. which paid off. But the plan never sticks. Yeah, yeah. I find that with a lot of things. Yeah. But it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So you grew up dancing, too. Yeah? I did. Um, I grew up studying Irish step dancing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Why Irish step dancing? Well, my family traveled a lot to Ireland when I was a kid. Um, it, my dad's side of the family is partly Irish, but um, we w- went just because my parents enjoyed it. They liked the country. Cool. Um, and they ended up the first summer we went there, I was nine months old, and they ended up going back every single summer. And actually, we lived there for a year when I was in fifth grade. Oh, cool. Um, and when I was four years old, we were staying in this farmhouse, and a little girl from across the street, um, who seemed much older to me at the time, <laughs> she was seven, oh, which wow. is like a yep. grown-up, <laughs> and... She would sort of come over to the farmhouse where I was staying. There was like a sort of gate around the garden and she would lurk by the (laughs) gate. And one day, uh, I was really shy. I still am, but super shy back then. And um, one day she was lurking and my mom was like, Siobhan, go talk to her. 
I'm, I'm going inside because she's not going to talk to you if I'm out here. <laughs> so my mom went inside and me and this girl, her name's Moraid, uh, ended up making friends. And she was like very outgoing. It's a nice <laughs> contrast to my shyness. Nice. And um, she was an Irish dancer. Actually, at seven, she was already, in my eyes, like a very accomplished Irish dancer. <laughs> and that's how I started learning it, just because we became close friends really quickly and she would teach me steps in the garden at this house where I was staying (laughs) yeah Um, it's very it's very cute I actually haven't told that story out loud for a while and it's very (laughs) sweet um and I'm actually gonna see her this summer she's having her second baby um yeah I'm gonna go visit her but um so that's how I started doing it and then I really loved it um and ended up taking lessons more formally Mm -hmm. um, in Holyoke, Massachusetts, which is near where I grew up in Northampton, Mass. And yeah, just got more and more into it when we moved to Ireland for that year. um, I started taking the competitions a bit more seriously. Mm. I don't know if you know about the sort of competitive really world of Irish much. dance. All I know is I like had a friend when I was younger who did Irish dance and she was always talking about how hard it was. And that's pretty much my knowledge. So <laughs> It is hard, yeah. <laughs> um, well, there is this whole sort of culture of competitions around the dance form. And that's where, um, I mean, if you're serious about it, you're probably you're probably attending these competitions, mm. um, which have sort of evolved into a form of pageantry, almost with very elaborate dresses and well. wigs and accessories and spray tan on the <laughs> legs. And <laughs> did you do all that stuff? I I did actually. I I admit I <laughs> even did the spray tanning, which I'm like horrified to admit, but. I would just never do that now. But, um, <laughs> At least it was spray tan and not real tan. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I didn't Health put my was. body in so much jeopardy. <laughs> but um, it was hard to be involved in the competitions and not care. Yeah. It was just part of it. But actually, looking back um, now, it, it seems very simple uh, because the, the competitions have become even more kind of... Um, like obsessed with mm-hmm. the, with with looks and um so yeah so I got really into uh, I got more into competing when I was abroad in Ireland that year and then just when I came back home I switched to a different um school called the Griffith Academy in Hartford Connecticut and just continued in that vein um becoming increasingly disillusioned with the competition aspect of it mm. but you know, appreciating the dance form and also the friends that I had made through doing it. Yeah. Um, I had a nice, really nice group of friends who I danced with. So cool. Yeah. And so you did that all through high school and then did you yeah. keep on doing it? How does <clears throat> that uh, well, <laughs> I continued through high school and then when I came to college, well, one reason I did want to go to Barnard is that I knew they had a strong dance program, mm-hmm. so even if I wasn't going to continue Irish dancing, I could still, I had the option of exploring dance in some way. Mm-hmm. And in high school, I also started taking jazz, modern, um, yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of tap, which was really similar to Irish, mm-hmm. um, 
but I was still very inexperienced in those when I got to college. And um, my freshman year, okay, I have to backtrack now because my senior year of high school, I had sent an audition tape to Riverdance, the show. Um, do you know that mm-hmm. show? Yeah. <laughs> so it's hard not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I find increasingly my students don't know what it is. I um, guess. Yeah. I just remember all the commercials, but no one watched commercials at all anymore. I know. So. I know. It's sort of um, yeah disappearing into history. Although it's still touring. It's yeah. actually in the midst of its 20th anniversary tour. So I had. I always thought that I was a better performer than I was a competitor. Hmm. I liked performing more than I liked competing, mm-hmm. and I thought you know I've put all this time into uh, learning to do this. It would be cool to, you know, be able to perform professionally. But um, the audition package that I sent in, actually, my, you know, my mom helped me with a lot of it. She, she wanted it as much as I did. <laughs> um, she was definitely very involved in my uh, pursuing dance. But... Um, I sort of forgot about it, like, after, like, it, just, it wasn't, like, a, like, I wasn't, like, waiting for a call or anything, mm, but yeah. then in April, I guess, of my um, freshman year at Barnard, um, I found out that there was an audition in Philadelphia, like, a live audition. They, they actually chose people who had sent in audition tapes, and they invited mm. me to this Whoa. audition in Philadelphia, um, and it was a very small group of people, uh, and it was really fun. I got to like skip class one day and you know take the train and stay over at night in the hotel and um, and I auditioned. I thought I did really badly because I hadn't really been dancing that first oh, yeah, year of college. Yes. I you know maybe I would dance a couple times a week, but I was really out of shape and I just felt I felt so bad. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm getting into that show. (laughs) So, you know, that's fine. Again, like I wasn't super attached to the idea, but I did think it would be cool. But then over the summer, they called me and they were like, we'd like you to come on tour. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So so I took a semester off my first the first semester of my sophomore year. And I toured around the U.S. and Canada with Riverdance. Whoa. Yeah. How was that? Um, oh my gosh, so many things. I feel like I'm still processing. (laughs) It's like 11 years later. Um, It was, well, first of all, I think actually my favorite part of it was actually going to Dublin in Ireland for rehearsals. Mm. Um, There were like three troops that were touring all around the world. Um, And we all, all the new people convened in Dublin to learn the choreography in one intensive week. And I just loved that week. I loved the hard work, you know, working all day and then feeling really satisfied at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. like really working towards something. Um, And, and meeting just all these, like, it's really, (laughs) you know, diverse group of people who are going to be joining the show um, in different parts of the world. Um, So, so that was very exciting. And then it was also, once we were on tour, you know, it was, it was very exhilarating to perform for such large audiences. Um, there's just sort of an energy that builds up during the show mm-hmm. that is sort of addictive. And um, so even if you're tired, you sort of, you know, sometimes just like want more and more. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at the same time, I did find it to 
maybe after a couple of months. The tour was about three months long, and maybe about halfway through, I did start to think, oh man, I don't know <laughs> how long I can do this. Um, and three months really isn't that long. I mean, people tour with Riverdance for years. But there was a certain monotony that I felt set in. Yeah, was it um, the same choreography for every... Yeah, you're pretty much doing the same choreography every night. You would be on rotation, so sometimes you would be in like five numbers, sometimes mm-hmm. you'd be in two. I auditioned for the chorus and somehow got in. I'm not a singer, but I guess I could carry a tune. <laughs> and so some nights I would like be doing more singing or, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, so... Uh, but, but basically, yeah, you're doing the same choreography night after night. And... Yeah, I just, I found that it was kind of wearing on me physically and maybe psychologically too. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't realize it then, but um, when I started kind of studying other kinds of dance more intensively, um, I just, I realized that I had been lacking a lot of creative freedom. Like, there's pretty much no... Oh. no creative like you don't you don't really interpret your role in river hmm. dance you know you just are kind of you're like in a chorus line and yeah the precision is really important and being the same as everyone else is really important um it's you know you could say that's an art in itself mm-hmm. you know to be able to kind of be in line with the the people around you but okay. I think I felt I didn't realize that at the time but in retrospect I realized I felt very stifled by that kind of conformity that was expected yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Is that something that's really, like, that you found that only in Riverdance, or was that something you'd realized you'd been having your whole life? Um, I think I felt it especially in that show because of mm-hmm. the um, repetitive nature of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're doing eight shows a week, so it just Whoa. really sets in that, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing over and over. Military routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... So yeah, so on the one hand, it was really exhilarating. I got to see, you know, parts of the country I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, I made good friends. Uh, and on the other hand, yeah, I I found it a bit limiting. And I was, um, I think I was happy to go, to just do it for um, that time and then go back to school. Although I did continue filling in uh, when they needed like a substitute. Um, I would kind of go in for a week or two weeks or sometimes a little bit longer. Um, and that lasted until, I guess, 2010. Uh, I was sort of sporadically mm-hmm. um, sort of slotted back into the show. <laughs> sounds kind of nice, though. Like, you don't have to totally stop dancing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. So, yeah, it was nice to stay involved but not be committing, you know, my whole life to it. Yeah. So when did you realize you wanted to write about dance? <laughs> Great question. Um, when you had to write a paper in a dance class, no. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, sort of. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, I actually took the course that I now teach, Dance in New York City, um, when I was at Barnard. I took it with Katie Glasner, mm-hmm. who was a really good teacher. And um, I think the first thing I wrote about for that class was a fall for dance program. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the questions we were asked was, um, how does, well, Merce Cunningham, Merce Cunningham's company was on the program. And there was a question we could respond to that was like, how does Cunningham's work reflect the structure of urban life or something like that? Um, and I, 
I, I wrote about that and it felt exciting hmm. to write about. Um, I, I always found that when I watched dance, I would sort of fill up with feeling and thoughts in a way that I didn't necessarily with other activities. And I think it felt good to be able to organize those thoughts. Um, although very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, Katie was encouraging, you know, it was, it felt nice to get that, that encouragement from a teacher at that early stage of college mm-hmm. when you feel a bit insecure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then when I came back from Riverdance, I had to choose my major. And again, I, I was, um, I was sort of on the fence. I had thought, when I got to college that I might want to major in biology um, because that had just always interested me. Um, But then there was part of me that felt, just felt like I needed to explore writing Hmm. more because it was so hard. (laughs) But when I got through with it, like so satisfying. Mm -hmm. So something about, yeah, like organizing this chaos of thought and feeling, you know, and like getting it down um, sort of wrangling it into, you know, something semi-coherent. I, I just, I think I just needed to explore that more. And I knew that if I majored in American studies, I would, um, which that ended up being my major, I'd have the opportunity to write and it would be open-ended. I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to mm-hmm. do, so. It's the beauty of American studies. Yeah, yeah, so, um, but I knew, I knew that at the very least I would, I would have to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Had you been interested in writing before? I guess growing up, I, I would, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely never thought I would pursue it professionally, but I liked writing. I, I liked. I would write stories. I wrote a lot of, I guess, fiction as a child, <laughs> <laughs> um, especially during that year in Ireland. I, that was probably my most prolific year. <laughs> I wrote like these really long stories um, in fifth grade. Uh, it just makes sense for some reason. <laughs> what, it makes sense? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Something about like the countryside and where we were. It just was like... Conducive. And just being somewhere different. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I... I def- I didn't have like I liked I liked writing but as I said I didn't think it's something I would do professionally <laughs> and still it feels like I'm like I write for a living it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and had you seen much dance before Barnard? Um I well I grew up near Jacob's Pillow Dance Festival. Oh nice. So I would sometimes go there with my family um in the summers. And so I saw some dance there. Mm. That, I guess that was my main exposure to other kinds of dance mm-hmm. besides Irish, was through Jacob's Pillow. Um, and then, like, the occasional Broadway musical. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like you have a different perspective on, like, modern dance ballet since you didn't grow up doing it? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well... Um, I think that because I've, I've been involved in a lot of different, uh, dance forms, I think something about the exposure to a lot of different forms, I feel informs my writing somehow. I'm not Mm -hmm. quite sure how, but, um, 
it's funny, even though I didn't grow up doing ballet, I, I still, I found, I did sometimes take, I took a few ballet classes and I always found it incredibly difficult. Um, there was something about the turnout, the, mm. just the carriage, like you would think maybe Irish dance and ballet would complement each other, mm-hmm. but I don't know, something about like the way my hips were, that makes and, sense. Like, yeah. from Irish dancing <laughs> and the carriage of the body, they actually seemed like really opposed to each other. So there was a bit of, there was a period where I definitely resented ballet Hmm. because I I, like, you know, I felt like I couldn't do it. (laughs) And, um, and fortunately I feel like I've, I've worked through that (laughs) because I did find, um, at Barnard, like when I came back after Riverdance, I started to take a, a you know wider array of classes different kinds of modern dance um I took Taylor technique I took this Simonson jazz class and then I was in the Barnard project um where choreographers come in and set works on students um I was in that several times with um you know choreographers who were even looking for they weren't necessarily looking for strong ballet technique they were looking for people who were interesting mm-hmm. performers and made interesting choices creatively and and th- and that was so much different from irish dance um and it also made me feel like oh there there are other forms of dance i can do mm-hmm. you know that um where where i fit in and um so i don't know i guess Something about, yeah, being having been sort of dabbled in a lot of different mm-hmm. forms, I think maybe helps uh, my job as a writer. Cool. Yeah. So then what did you do immediately after graduation? I'm saying this because I want to know. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's see. Um, after graduation, I... Well, first I went to the Bates Dance Festival. I love that place. Um, and that was fun. That was like a nice sort of way to unwind after Everyone year. I've talked to, that's exactly, they're like, it was the most relaxing place ever. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty chill. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I had interned at Dance Magazine my senior year, fall of my senior year, mm-hmm. and I continued to be interested in um after that internship in in writing about dance and um actually just sent in I guess I sent in a an application or a resume to them not even thinking they were hiring but you know just you know hey I'm I'm available (laughs) and it so happened that an editorial position was opening up um that summer uh after I graduated so um, I interviewed for it, and I was very fortunate to get it. And I, so I started working at Dance Magazine almost immediately. I mean, the August after graduation. Wow. So, and I was, I think my title at the time was education editor. So I was working on assigning and editing stories in the education section <laughs> about dance class. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... And then gradually, oh, and also, I mean, I had always been interested specifically in criticism, dance criticism, mm-hmm. and um, as I continued working at Dance Magazine, um, I also started w- editing the reviews uh, mm. and writing more mm-hmm. reviews, 
and then also freelance writing on the side for other publications. Like um, the Brooklyn Rail was probably the publication I wrote for most frequently. So yeah, I started exploring, reviewing more, um, both at Dance Magazine and like as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. So. What about criticism of dance appealed to you? Other than just getting to write about dance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, again, it had to do with... Um, having... Feeling like dance brought up uh, opinions <laughs> and and strong feelings in a way that other things didn't. Maybe because mm-hmm. I had just... I felt closer to it because I had been immersed in it from a young age. Um, and so I liked the challenge of, of trying to articulate those. And then also the particular challenge that dance poses of being, I mean, people talk about this all the time, but it's true, like very temporary, mm-hmm. ephemeral, um, sort of the challenge of seeing a live performance and just having to then work from that one experience and the memory of that experience Mm -hmm. um it's it's really it's kind of impossible to be accurate I guess Uh (laughs) you know and I I guess I I I mean I've I've always found it like incredibly difficult but I think that's why I like it because um there's always sort of something to be working on it never gets boring Mm -hmm. um so and then I liked the idea of helping to, you know, give the performance um, some sort of life beyond just the performance itself. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that I don't really believe that, you know, reviews are like authoritative uh, accounts of what has happened, Mm -hmm. like, like, because everybody sees what happens so differently. (laughs) And, um, but I liked the idea of being able to contribute something to kind of the lifespan of the work so that it doesn't just end when it's over, but, you know, hopefully a conversation about mm-hmm. it continues. Yeah, or that at least there's something there as a way to, like, remember that it happened. Yeah. At all. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is less relevant nowadays than it was, like, 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it still. is. It is less I mean, yeah, now, when I started writing, for instance, like, it was very, it wasn't easy to find a video of uh, the performance you were going to write about online, or, like, mm-hmm. a clip of it, but now it's it's very easy to do that. So, okay, like, yes, you sort of can, I guess, revisit the work, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's much different watching it on your laptop screen than mm-hmm. being in the theater, uh, watching the particular performance that happens that yeah. night. Do you find yourself mm-hmm. looking back on clips often or just, like, in the occasions where you're like, I was spacing out? <laughs> yeah, I don't often. I mean, um, I really try to <clears throat> just work from my my memory and my experience. Um, actually, sometimes I find that music can be hmm. really evocative. So if I'm having trouble remembering the details of something or, like, I'm unsure of how it made me feel... Um, I might actually listen back to the music if I can, super, uh, if I can yeah. like access it. I mean, a lot of dance happens to original music that's not available anyway. But if it's like Bach or like, mm-hmm. you know, you can just you can find it on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
or sometimes I'll like look back at a video just to hear just to hear mm-hmm. the music. Um, yeah, I had tr- more trouble for some reason remembering sound than hmm. remembering like the image of people. Yeah, people moving. I never would have thought of to like back and listen to the music. Yeah, I wish yeah. I'd known that during now. Little, little trick. <laughs> <clears throat> nice. Yeah. Um. So then I guess. Uh, big question. Yeah. I didn't prepare you for any of these questions. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> but you made me answer it in class. So, oh. <laughs> what do you think the role of criticism is? <laughs> well, I think that uh, partly it's what I touched on before about helping to um, inspire, stimulate. Uh, you know, continue some kind of conversation mm-hmm. about dance. Um, and I think it's, I think it's an important, an important part of the sort of ecology of, of the dance world in that way. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, even if you hate what someone <laughs> said about something, you know, it's, um, it, it encourages dialogue and, um, I think that it's really important for there to be a rich dialogue with agreements and disagreements and, you know, like, uh, around, around any art form to sort of keep it vibrant, keep it mm-hmm. evolving. So I think, I suppose that's what I see as one of a critic's main roles is to, is to stimulate conversation, even if it's just, you know, the, a private conversation mm-hmm. that someone is having with themselves. I mean, I love to read reviews of movies, say, that I've seen mm. to help me work through in my own mind what I saw. Yeah. Um, and, you know, to be honest, sometimes I'm also not sure what the role of a critic is. There are certainly times when I question, I really question what my role is and when I couldn't, you know, answer, answer that question. And I I just think that's important to say because, you know, as with anything, maybe any, any job that one does, devotes a lot of time to, um, there, I have questions about it, you know, Mm -hmm. like, especially as, um, like as as our world becomes more digital and people are experiencing more things on their mobile devices, yeah. like you know, is is um, is a four hundred word review like the best way of exp- like engaging someone, you know, in what um, in 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 the conversation about dance, or you know, are there mm-hmm. other ways? Like you have a podcast, you know, <laughs> I do, <laughs> like, <laughs> and. Uh, so, so I sort of wonder about that too, and how, um, how criticism, you know, might might evolve um, mm-hmm. with our changing times. Although I do still really value, like, like good writing about about anything is, uh, you know, has offers pleasures that nothing else does, <laughs> and um, and so I think that while I I'm interested in sort of how criticism might evolve, I also I also really value just like um good writing mm-hmm. yeah no that makes sense mm. and then broader question sure. um why you told me why you want to write about dance but why do you think it's important to write about dance at all um well for similar reasons that I just yeah 
yeah. yeah, that I just talked about. Um, I mean, I teach. I teach at Barnard. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I'm so I'm always, I, I, I devote a lot of time to teaching other people to write about dance, mm-hmm. both in my dance in New York City class and my dance criticism class. And I guess I think it's important for my students, at least, to write about um, dance to sort of understand their their relationship to it to 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 deepen their their yeah. exploration of it. Um, you know, it's very easy to sort of see something and just walk away from it and uh, you know and forget about it. Mm-hmm. But when you have to really put something in writing, it forces you to explore the thing more deeply and. I mean, why write about anything, you know? Like, you should write about dance for the same reason you write you write about anything, yeah. you know, to understand the world more deeply, yourself, um, art. You know, it's just, it's a way of, um, I think, knowing the world and yourself a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, so, has there ever been... Any times you've like had to temper your reviews? Temper my reviews? Yeah. Um, you don't have to say specific times. But you've just <laughs> been like, I can't write exactly what I feel. Or do you try to be very honest with it? Um, let's see. In general, I don't really believe in like well, I'm sure I've done it before, but like ripping people apart or like tearing them down I don't know I don't I generally like being super snide super sarcastic mm-hmm. I, again like I've done it but I generally don't see it as that productive yeah. so although I might have a sort of guttural reaction to something that's like oh god like I really hate that I try then to I mean part of criticism is is going through the process of understanding why you feel what you feel Mm -hmm. and so um so I guess you could call that tempering or you could just call it you know like questioning your your own reaction to something um but then sometimes you know I do I do sort of write from that more uh gut feeling kind of place and I know I know that sometimes you know that sometimes upsets people and but again that's just part of that's just that's part of the work you know mm-hmm. and um and again like hopefully that that inspires some kind of conversation maybe some kind of change you know I don't know but yeah, worst case scenario, it'll just make someone more passionate about their work. And yeah. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. yeah. Everyone has different opinions anyways, so. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that much, I mean, you also have to be thinking about your, you really have to be thinking about your readers mm, as a critic. Yeah. And, um, you know, readers, I mean, of the New York Times, um, they want to know what you think, you know, <laughs> they want to know what, what your opinion is. And so, um, it's important to, it's important to make that clear, you know, hopefully in a respectful mm-hmm. way. But I think that sometimes I can also get into writing a bit, um, 
like without without sort of making my opinion clear and just mm. maybe being more descriptive um and so I really I try to kind of balance those things because when I read say I read like a movie review like yeah I want to know if you thought it was good or bad you know <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and no, it's sometimes definitely. a little disappointing if you get to the end and you're sort of relying on this you know so-called expert <laughs> to, to help you figure out what to think you want to know like mm-hmm. you know just sort of a bald you know what like did you think it was um should I see did, it did, or did not you, did you like it yeah so I mean I think all I think all criticism should obviously go beyond that like whether you like something or not but but to you know you want that to be a part of mm-hmm. part of it so yeah yeah um do you usually what's your process after seeing a show well um I guess mostly like where my thought was coming from is like do you talk to people about it or do you just try to really keep it to yourself um I used to not like to talk to anyone because I thought it would somehow cloud my I don't know (laughs) experience but more and more I I find that not to be useful um I think that watching dance is a it's a communal activity it's a social activity um that's partly why we do it you know yeah. going to the theater is a social event even if <laughs> everyone's still on their phones yeah even mission, if, but you know yeah and um so yeah I definitely I I I like to have conversations with friends afterwards you know being aware of my my opinion and and stra- trying to kind of um, stick with that but I don't know it seems sort of like false in some way to to not engage in conversation and to be like oh it's only my you know like like my opinion is so sacred um yeah like it's actually it can be kind of nice to see different points of view you know before sitting down to offer mm-hmm. your own <laughs> so um so but uh so sometimes I'll yeah I'll I'll talk about the work um I often go to shows alone, so I don't talk about the work, Um, and I'm just sort of, you know, thinking it over myself, and um, and then uh, generally I'm writing on an overnight deadline, so I'll see a show one night, and then by the next morning Mm -hmm. around 11 a.m. or or earlier, (laughs) um, uh, I'm expected to turn in my review so yeah. it's a fast it's a fast process how do you feel about the fast turnaround <laughs> um I find it it's a challenge for sure uh I've gotten better at it over the couple of years I've been writing on overnight deadlines um in a way it forces you to just just say what you're thinking and not deliberate too much um I really I tend to overthink things and um also not also to shy away sometimes from saying what I really think and Mm -hmm. um when you're writing on a deadline like that you kind of you just you don't really have any choice (laughs) so um and um, I've always been a slow writer, like super methodical and really taking my time. So it's also just challenged me to like just speed up, speed up my process. Mm-hmm. I would sometimes like to have more time to reflect on something. Um, and I think I might, 
I think that sometimes might, you know, be beneficial, but also also sort of just banging something out can be, I've realized, uh, can also be a great approach. Like you end up writing things that you didn't think you would have written. (laughs) Yeah. Or didn't think you were maybe capable of writing. Have you ever like put it out there and then been like ah that wasn't what I actually felt now that I'm realizing it (laughs) yeah I mean that's the weird thing about reviews is that they have like the way they're they're so final like looking you know Mm -hmm. like you you get to the end of the block of text and then it's over and it's sort of like in the paper in this you know very tangible form Mm -hmm. but truthfully like my thoughts about something you know are often evolve um I mean just like anybody (laughs) yeah yeah I mean like sometimes I read over things I've written and you know I a year later I can agree with some things I said and then I also see like major holes in my (laughs) writing and I and maybe I've sort of come to a different place in my thinking about the particular thing I was writing about so yeah, I mean, like, I feel like my thoughts about dance are actually quite fluid, and that they sort of wind up in these little, in these little blocks of text mm-hmm. that, um, like little time capsules. Yeah. And, okay, that's cool to look up. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if people always recognize that about critics. I don't. Maybe, and maybe not. I mean, I'm sure that not all people feel that way, but um, to me, there's some things that I'm all actually a little bit uncomfortable with in that sort of finality of it because I'm like, oh, well, there really is so much that I I didn't say. I mm-hmm. just have to, um, I just had to kind of choose, you know, and, and create some sort of coherent mm-hmm. picture. Um, yeah, 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 it's funny. <laughs> that was something I found really difficult in taking your class was just, I'm... I don't think I'm good at like stating an opinion because I'm like, I don't want to settle on anything. Yeah. And just realizing that like when I was writing something that wasn't necessarily like the final word I ever had on it and yeah, all my opinions, yeah. I like realized that when I had read stuff, I, I just assumed that everyone who wrote criticism was just very like certain people. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you can, I mean, I think critics change their minds for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, maybe too much to expect of a human being oh yeah (laughs) they wouldn't um in some way at least but yeah what i can i ask you a question (laughs) sure (laughs) i guess what did you find what did you in in writing about dance in Mm -hmm. my course like what did you find um rewarding and or most challenging about it i guess what i liked a lot about it is i so I grew up in Nebraska and like went to one of like their standard Midwestern dance studios. But I was lucky to have um, my modern teacher had been dancing with Bill T. Jones for a while. His he's the person who does the opening monologue on Still Here, and so it always freaks me out every time we're listening to that. I'm like, Danny, what? Um, Why are you talking to me all yeah. of a sudden? Um, and so I was I got I got to work with him, but not a lot of other people did in my studio because it was Nebraska, and they're like, let's do jazz dance to Lady Gaga. <laughs> so I never really had a way of talking to other people about dance, mm-hmm. and even coming here, like, you know, I started seeing shows at the Joyce, and I started interning with dance companies and theaters, and 
but there was no one else really around who I could talk to. And I would take friends and I'd, I'd have all these thoughts and then they'd just be like, yeah, it was whatever. It was fine. And I'm just like, why aren't we discussing this in much more depth? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's something I really, I'd never been able to actually get words out about dance. Mm-hmm. I'd never really tried writing about it before mm-hmm. because I didn't, I, mm, I didn't know why I would. Because I was like, I know how I feel. I'll just leave it there. But it was nice to be able to actually go through and think about it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting too, like writing about um, Monica Bill Barnes' happy hour. My boyfriend went with me and he grew up watching his sister's hip hop dance recitals. And he's not a big dance fan because he was the older brother dragged to all the dance shows. And like just talking to him about that and being able to like actually express what I wanted to say. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that makes sense. He still somewhat disagreed on some things, but he was like, no, that actually is really cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was nice to just be able to, like, talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, yeah, basic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, it, it sounds simple, but it's a really, it's a super important thing. It's a it's a part of, mm-hmm. um, it, it, the conversation, you know, like, I guess sometimes I feel like, well, why, why are we going to see this if not to talk about it mm-hmm. after, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, um, like, it doesn't matter how many shows I've seen if I'm not going to, like, digest it and discuss yeah, it. Yeah, um, I don't know, dance kind of, I guess, because of how I interacted with it, always felt more solitary than community. Oh, really? Which, I guess... Yeah, because, I mean, you, I never did talk to people, even sitting in a theater. Like, mm-hmm. most people I noticed didn't really talk to each other about the show yeah. or in general. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's... It's a it weird little strange. paradox thing. It is, it is. I mean, it's strange from the perspective of, you know, of someone who really feels like I do, I do want to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And... I think I'm not sure if it's more like this with dance and with other art forms, but I I think there's a little bit more like I don't want to say like fear of there's a, but there is like sort of a fear of not understanding yeah. or like an assumption on the part of the audience that they don't there's like a barrier to entry like to get it, it and um, and. Actually, one of a, a wonderful kind of um, aspect of my time in New York um, as a writer was uh, getting to know Claudia Larocco, mm-hmm. whose uh, work we read in class. Yes, I and, love <laughs> Yeah, and um, she started this thing called the Performance Club, which actually, well, she what she's told me is that it, it came out of sort of partly out of feeling like fellow audience members were, you know, like super smart people, but like afraid to talk about what they were seeing. So, so the performance club she saw is like a book club, but for performance and yeah, why, like, I I really shared that, um, that question with her, like, why, why don't we talk about dance? Mm -hmm. Like we talk about books, you know, or about movies. Um, well, partly it's because it's not as, widely disseminated you know um so there are like actual practical reasons but I do think yeah there's sort of a disproportionate uh number of like really 
super intelligent people who for some reason think they can't can't talk about it Mm -hmm. because they don't know and that's actually one thing I really try to do in my classes is just create an atmosphere of like look we're just gonna we're just we're just gonna talk about dance (laughs) like (laughs) I don't like you like all all opinions are welcome there's nothing you can't say anything wrong okay well there's you know there's certain lines (laughs) of respect and obviously that you want to maintain but like yeah I just I try to create more I try to create a really open atmosphere because I think people do approach it with this this fear that they don't know what they're seeing and and don't get it mm-hmm. um yeah yeah I've I don't remember who I've talked to but someone just in passing was like you know you can go to an art museum and you can totally feel okay saying like oh I don't like this painting yeah but like it there's a lot of people who aren't who are afraid to not like a dance performance which in some ways makes sense because you're seeing the artists they're there they're right in front of you but it's still a piece of art mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I mean I'm sure that like when I when I you know engage with art forms that I don't know as much about I I am a bit more I'm more hesitant to talk about them mm-hmm. um so like everything I'm saying right now might just be a result of me being <laughs> like totally you know immersed in the dance world and uh but I don't know. Um, I do think that because it's not as much a part of our culture, it's not as integrated into education also. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a bit more sort of tiptoeing around it. Like, you know, even music and visual art and, um, and writing, of course. Like, these are art forms that, that people more frequently just get, are exposed to mm-hmm. growing up even movies you know we all we all go to movies we all watch tv and so I think that people just develop a comfort and sort of confidence in themselves you know when it comes to talking about those things Mm -hmm. and dance does does (laughs) kind of hang out at the margins a little bit more or is seen as something fun you know that Mm -hmm. maybe doesn't merit or lend itself to like deep conversation Mm -hmm. but so what do you think could be done to make dance (laughs) seem more meritous I I don't know I I think that there as um that there also is a strong community of people who do uh think and talk and write you know really seriously about dance and performance and Mm -hmm. you know maybe maybe it's just a maybe it's just smaller maybe it doesn't have to be um like you know, as, as prevalent as, Mm. as other things, but I don't know. I don't know what can be done. I think certainly, um, having dance education be part of everyone's education Mm -hmm. would be a big thing. Like, I think everything starts from, uh, from, from early on, from what you're learning as a kid. I mean, all arts should be part of, uh, one's education. (laughs) I think like from the beginning, unfortunately, that's something that, um, is continuously Mm -hmm. undervalued, but yeah, just like exposure, um, and just learning to sort of be close to and appreciate dance from a young age. I don't, I don't know if that's, hey, that works. (laughs) Also, I'm just, I've never gotten the answer that maybe it's just smaller and that's okay, which is, I don't know. That feels nice. It's like, we don't need to fix this. Yeah. Yeah. It's good as it is. It kind of becomes like, exhausting to like always be trying to convince people that the Uh thing you're doing is important you know and like it's 
maybe maybe the best way to proceed is just to 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 treat it as you know as something that you feel is important and and hopefully that kind of yeah radiates out <laughs> do you ever yeah. have issues with people being like why are you writing about a dance or convincing people that it's like to go to shows with you or anything um or you just have some friends you're like i know <laughs> yeah let's see well i have a lot of friends who who do appreciate dance so that's good um <laughs> Honestly, I guess it comes up the most with, I don't know if I should talk about this on podcasts, but with like dating, you know, when you're, oh, when yeah. you're meeting new people, yeah. um, kind of, I find like when I'm meeting new people in like a dating scenario, it, it it's, it can be really hard to explain what it is. That's that a good way to weed people out. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's like, okay, if you don't get it, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Or like people, I think people have a hard time seeing it as like a job that like Hmm. is actually quite hard work people think it's just fun like oh Oh. you get to go to shows like that's so awesome like yeah but then I don't get to sleep as much (laughs) yeah it's like well I get five hours of sleep or less and you know uh and well it is it's 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 a wonderful thing to be able to do for a living but like it's still a you job. Can, there, there is, you know, there's like critic of burnout, you know, where you've just like seen too much and you're at maximum capacity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, I feel like the people I surround myself with, like my friends, you know, really, they, they appreciate what I do. They appreciate dance. Um, but sometimes when I'm new, meeting new people who are a bit outside my social circle or like explaining it sometimes to, I guess, like my parents friends or but not not mm. so much they tend if you tell you know your parents friends that you write for the times they're like okay yeah that's a, that's a real job <laughs> you don't have to tell them what you're writing about yeah exactly but, but i don't know yeah it's uh sometimes i sometimes i don't feel entirely understood <laughs> it's true yeah no that makes sense <laughs> um that made me lose my train of thought completely oh. no <laughs> Um, oh, I guess sort of changing topics, but not really because whatever, I have no structure to any of this. Um, what are some things that you've seen like trend wise or just in general that have really excited you about dance? Cause you see a lot. So I assume <clears throat> some things get like monotonous and some things are exciting. Yeah. Um, for some reason I always have trouble talking about or identifying trends but I'm gonna try <laughs> oh I remember you um, talking about did I t- <laughs> having to write that article and you're like I don't want to about trends and dance or something oh yeah that's possible yeah I, 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 might, have, I might have said <laughs> that um well one trend that I can definitely identify is the fact that dance is overlapping more and more with the visual art world mm-hmm. so over the past maybe five to ten years um there's been kind of a resurgence of dance in museums and galleries um, and an interest on the part of big visual arts, you know, institutions that are devoted primarily to the visual arts um, in presenting dance. So that's something that to me raises a lot of interesting questions about um, like, um, 
just the context in which dance is presented and what it means to sort of present something in a place that is that traditionally presents Mm -hmm. objects and collects objects yeah (laughs) like physical objects and so um something that's so not an object yeah 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 i think yeah it raises a lot of interesting uh sort of conundrums because can you you know can you acquire a dance for instance Mm. like what what does it mean to say like purchase a performance and make it part of your museum collection um is that something that happens you know I'm not totally I think I think it does uh there there are some artists who position themselves more in that way than others Mm -hmm. I don't um Tino Segal is an artist who uh a few years ago had a show at the Guggenheim called This Process, uh, This Progress, sorry. Um, and I believe that work is like in the collection of a museum somewhere, maybe the Guggenheim. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't have my facts clear on this. But, um, you know, I remember reading about him at that time that he was very kind of savvy about selling his performances to institutions. Hmm. Um and so yes it's something museums do acquire performance that's so strange um but i think that they're still probably figuring out the best way to do that um i'm not a museum curator so i don't really (laughs) i don't really know but um i sort of heard like rumblings of of that Mm -hmm. you know of museums kind of figuring out their relationship to to live performance yeah. and recently there was a show at MoMA called Plastic by this choreographer Maria Hasabi and I thought that was a very exciting show because um, it seemed to just really fit in the museum space it seemed really mm. sensitive to the space and as if it had really been created for that environment and I think that's a problem again again one of the interesting questions that dance and museum raises um, like how do you how do you present something that might have been created for a theater like in a museum? Yeah. Um, one thing I wrote in my piece about Maria Hasabi is a museum is not a theater, <laughs> and uh, you know they're just totally different. The the the, the performer's relationship to the audience, um, the sort of etiquette and the expectations are just are just totally different. Yeah. So so I thought that show was exciting. For the way that it used the space it was um I don't know if you saw it Mm-mm. but like it had to do uh with stillness and slowness there were these uh dancers positioned on the stairs from the atrium to the lobby that's uh, sort of shifting between these very still poses mm-hmm. um and then in the atrium and then on another staircase um upstairs that's actually exposed you can see it sort of throughout the museum when you're on these balconies you can sort of see Mm, the staircase through windows so even if you're not directly there near the performers you can kind of glimpse them from afar Mm -hmm. and um anyhow so the performers were were actually doing this all day every day for an entire month going through this sort of cycle of very slow movement um and I just thought it was really beautiful and yeah just it, it causes you to slow down in a place that 
is generally pretty fast paced or mm-hmm. where you might go in with a real agenda. Like, yeah. you know, I'm going to the Picasso exhibit. You know? <laughs> it's like, oh, well, what is this body doing yeah. on the floor? <laughs> you yeah. know? And, um, and also, yeah, it was sort of present. It had this, it sort of had this very quiet presence throughout the whole museum, the way it was positioned. So if you were upstairs, you could look down and sort of see it happening in the atrium. As I mentioned, there were those sort of windows that mm-hmm. exposed part of it and, it was almost like you couldn't get away from it in this in this really nice way. Yeah, <laughs> so. and it wasn't a performance. It was yeah. like an installation. It was an installation, yeah. It was just, it was always going on, and um, it wasn't like, okay, it's, you know, 3.15, everyone, like, <laughs> You weren't trying gather. to impose the theater on the museum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Nice, so. that was cool. Yeah. I wish I had seen it. Yeah. I'll look on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you, they're actually, you can catch little... Or, or you can look on Instagram. There's a very... Oh, There yes. was a lot of photography. It's a new place yeah. to find the clips. Yeah. Dance on Instagram is a cool thing. It is. Yeah. It's, I did. I w- would never expect that, but it seems... Because I've been able to do social media for a lot of different places, and that's like the main interaction point for a lot of companies. Oh, really? Yeah. I can... I mean, it's so visual, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. What are some of your favorite accounts <laughs> to follow yeah uh I like the ballerina project oh I don't know what that is oh it's like they have ballerinas in like the city or in nature just oh, okay. standing around oh all right it's I don't know just nice I'll it's to cool to like out. have the different backgrounds and yeah um ah, I don't know right now I like to follow people at uh Vaganova school Okay. Partially because, like, I get my Russian practice in, and then also just because they're, like, 12-year-olds who are incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can't. <laughs> I wish cool. I were you. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I haven't quite explored dance on Instagram to the extent that I could. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just don't use Instagram <clears throat> myself oh. that much. There's just too much. I'm like, ah, I don't have time for any of this. It's Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um... I think I don't have any other huge questions. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> um, well, I guess I would just add that. So we talked about dancing. Actually, I talked a lot about my history of Irish dancing, mm-hmm. which I wasn't expecting to do. But <laughs> um, I just wanted to add that after after college, while I was writing for Dance Magazine mm-hmm. and sort of freelance writing, um, I... I continued dancing, so rehearsing with um, friends and uh, sometimes auditioning for things, um, and that uh, that was just a. I found that um, I just really like I loved I sort of loved that period in which I was kind of finding a way to both write about dance and mm-hmm. sort of rehearse. Now that I've started writing more frequently. Um, and again, like under a bit more pressure, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I haven't danced as much, but um, it was really great to sort of transition out of Irish dancing, out of that kind of river dance phase, and uh, and just work with other choreographers, like um, again who were mostly just with friends or colleagues who I had mm-hmm. met over the years. So like Jillian Sweeney was one person oh, um, cool. who had actually when I was. Uh, 
in high school in Northampton, I took a dance class at Smith College, and Jillian was my, she was a grad student at Smith at that time. <laughs> she taught the modern dance class, and then years later, we reconnected in New York. She was a publicist at New York Live Arts, <laughs> and so, I was yeah. like, hey, I know you. And um, yeah, and then Rebecca Warner um, is a, a dancer who I met in the city who was just starting to choreograph who invited me to work with her. And I just feel like I learned so much from those people, like um, about about the body and mm-hmm. the potential for how I could move. And um, and this was in like modern dance. Yeah, capacity. yeah. These were like more contemporary dance projects. A lot of improvisation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel like I talked a lot about my, <laughs> my Irish dance history, but there was like the sort of no, like totally. phase that came after, um, that was just like, so it was like at the opposite end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. like really having the opportunity to explore and bring my individuality to the work. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and just do like crazy sometimes projects. Like I danced with this performance artist named Narcissister. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, Mm-mm. but she does like neo burlesque performance. So I was in this sort of like masked. She she wears this mask that's sort of like a mannequin mask, and okay. she's usually a soloist. But she for this one project got like a, a whole sort of backup crew of masked dancers so I did like masked dancing like while wearing very little clothing otherwise it was so interesting and like surreal wait did you know um, what you're getting into with that I you're just did. like sure I did. At, the, at the audition she did say we practiced with the mask and then she's like you know is everyone okay with nudity the thing about nude dancing naked is uh I, I don't think I would have I don't know. I would have had more reservations about it had I not been wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. There's this way in which the mask was so freeing. And yeah, I just feel like I had the opportunity to like explore these little pockets <laughs> of the dance field um, <laughs> where it was just like delightful. I mean, you know, sometimes like hard and like, you know, you're not like getting paid a lot. Yeah. And, but, but just. Um, but just there was like a kind of like self-exploration that could mm-hmm. happen there that I, that really, I felt balanced out mm. my kind of years of uh, doing the same thing in a line <laughs> of <laughs> dancers yeah. in Riverdance. And I really think there's, there's space for both, you know, and I'm glad that I had like all of those experiences. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you still keep up with any of that dancing? Um, I don't as much anymore. I would like to, and I'm thinking about how I can bring actually dancing more back into my life, but mm-hmm. it might just not be the right time right now. Um, sometimes I take class. I'm always happier though when I'm moving and that's mm-hmm. something I've, I sort of learned about myself over and over again. Like just last week I was teaching, it was spring break for Barnard and I went up to a high school in Vermont to teach for a week. And on St. Patrick's Day, I gave an Irish dance workshop. (laughs) And just like, you know, it was like three half-hour classes back-to-back. I felt so great at the end of the day. And I just think, like, moving, I need to move. And sometimes I don't let myself as much anymore. So I have to figure out how to bring that back into my life (laughs) Mm -hmm. a bit more. It's definitely important. It's hard, especially when you're writing on a computer. And living in New York and taking the train. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the writing, I mean, 
there's like so much, <laughs> like my shoulders, you know, like sometimes mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm tied in a knot after I, <laughs> after a day of writing. Um, so, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep moving, even yeah. if you're doing stationary work. <laughs> <laughs> just get one of those, um, treadmill desks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should do that. <laughs> that would be a good investment. But yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Do you have you do you have anything else? Um, I guess one other thing that came to mind. I always do this. I'm like last thing. I know I do that too when I'm interviewing people. Never last thing. Um, do you? Yeah, you talked about like burnout. Does that ever happen? Do you ever just see too much? I think it does happen. Yeah. Um, How do you deal with that? Do you have to just take a break? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can't have your break exactly when you want it, (laughs) and so I mean, often you can't have your break exactly when you want it, and so. Um, you just, you know, push through and, um, you know, every so often I'll just like clear an entire week or weekend and just say, you know what, I'm not going to see anything this weekend. I'm just gonna hang out with my friends and read a book and, (laughs) you know, maybe go to the movies, uh, and just kind of reset. I think definitely... There was one time where I reviewed, and this this would never happen now, but um, there was a time when I reviewed six things in a week, oh. and that was way too much. <laughs> and I was just like, for the okay. same publication or just lots of different. Yeah, things? no, it was all it was all for the Times. Whoa. Yeah. Why? And I think someone was on vacation, and um, it just happened to be a really busy time. And again, like you, you know, you want to give coverage to as many people as possible, yeah. but also like not not be writing from a place of like resentment mm-hmm. that you have that and just you, like, getting it done with of, and... that you're like sleep deprived and you know yeah so um so it's important to try to strike that balance and yeah I just I just try to take a few days off here and there if I can from mm-hmm. uh from watching performance yeah do you like you talked about like going to the movies and stuff but are there any other art forms that you really are passionate about um I mean, I, I would like, I would like to explore, um, <laughs> you know, music, film, um, more. I just, I find that a lot of my time is taken up with seeing, yeah. seeing dance. It's yeah. got the prime time slots yeah, taken out. It, it really does. It really does. Fortunately, I mean, a lot of the times dance intersects, actually a lot of the best, some of my fa- favorite music I've discovered through, hmm. uh, either dance class or um or seeing performances so you know it intersects with these other art forms but mm-hmm. that's another thing I would like to do more um is is uh you know get out to sort of music concerts and mm-hmm. and and other galleries you know like a bit a bit more frequently and really make an effort to do that because I think it also um it enriches the way I see dance, you know, to yeah. have sort of a variety of um, things coming coming mm-hmm. my way. Yeah, yeah. and just re- having the, like the culture of the arts yeah. ha- that's happening at the moment. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Goals. Yeah. <laughs> Aspirations. <laughs> cool. Well, now yeah. I think I don't have any more questions except okay. for my fun last little one, oh, which sure. makes perfect sense of this. What is a song that has made you happy lately? Oh, I really like right now this group called King. 
Hmm. Um, they are like a R&B soul girl trio, cool woman trio, and they're they're just they're magical. Um, I actually I actually did find their music through taking a dance class. Mm-hmm. That's um, why I asked the question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> although it's turned into just everyone's guilty pleasure music is on display. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I, they have this new album out. Um, I guess it's called We Are... I think it's called We Are King. And I can't even pick a song on it. Like, the whole, <laughs> the whole album is just... It's, it's amazing. So that's my favorite song cool. is their entire album I will definitely have to and check it really that out. kind of feels like one song you know it's just it all it's a good flows, album like that all flows together um I'm pretty obsessed and <laughs> I highly recommend cool yeah sweet cool well, thank Thanks, you Madison. thank you so much for having me Planning a pilgrimage.